Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the great American RV adventure into stress-less camping. Each week, we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations, and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. Welcome to the campfire. Absolutely. It is such a pleasure to be back here with you. Uh, I'm Tony. I'm Peggy. And we are two RV industry veterans who travel part-time in a small trailer. Looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips, tricks, and discounts. Indeed. Absolutely and positively. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the tips we have today is a way to maybe camp for free, maybe even get paid for camping. I know. The idea that's been going around now that camp season is coming to a neighborhood near you is to perhaps become a camp host. Yeah, there are all kinds of opportunities out there in the camping world. Among those is to become a camp host. And what that is, is essentially you're the person who's kind of the caretaker at the RV park, and you may be compensated compensated for things like mowing lawns or cleaning bathrooms or just checking people in that sort of stuff or just kind of overseeing the park and compensation can range from things like where your space is provided to some cases where they pay you so right there's lots of opportunity out there to camp for free or even be paid We've talked about this before. We have talked about full-time work camping, and that was episode 34 in February of 2019. Yeah, we talked to Tracy and Johnny from RV SWAT. 2020. Yeah, last year. (laughs) (laughs) There was no February of 2019. Don't go looking for that. No. Oh, did you? I didn't even catch that. Oh, man. (laughs) It's been a pretty long day. Yeah. Apparently a long year, too. But we have talked about it before, and... <laughs> and it's just kind of a reminder that if you are free this summer and you're looking for something to do and you could maybe earn a couple bucks or use some free camping, think about being a camp host. That episode has all kinds of links. And of course, we'll link to it in our show notes. Yeah. But there's all kinds of links and tips and information like that on how to find work as a full-time RVer. So now that we've got work handled, I'm a... I'm a nut. (laughs) My uncle was an architect and I love weird roadside architecture, things that are supposed to be other things like giant muffler men and teapot buildings and smoking dog cafes. (laughs) And so we're going to talk with a lady who has spent years taking pictures of this kind of architecture and roadside attractions and all of that when we come back. But first, I know how we can get connected to the internet. All right. People ask us how to get internet on the road. Campground Wi-Fi is more promised than deliver. And you want to be safe and secure, and Cell Phone Unlimited only goes for so long before you're throttled. Yeah, it's not really unlimited, but the FMCA is here to the rescue again. This time with their Tech Connect package for FMCA members. Tech Connect delivers truly unlimited internet with their partnership with Sprint using a 3G, 4G unlimited plan. And it's another great FMCA deal. For just $49.99 a month that you use it, plus a one-time equipment rental fee of $39.99. 
best of all, it's month to month. So use it when you're on the road. Park it for just $13.99 a month when you're not. Upload your RV experiences, enjoy unlimited video chat, browse safely, and just enjoy the internet on the road without worrying about lousy campground Wi-Fi that's more stressful than stressless. This is another great reason to join FMCA. Along with local chapters, get-togethers, a huge learning library, plus terrific deals on tires, in addition to other ways to save on tech and so much more. And with our discount, you can join the FMCA and save $10 on your first year's membership. Just $79.99 when you go to our discounts and deals page on the Stressless Camping website. Get connected safely with us and the FMCA with FMCA's exclusive Tech Connect program and all the other reasons to be an FMCA member. Tech Connect is truly unlimited data, but data speeds might be slowed in very high traffic conditions. However, there is no data cap on your monthly usage. Wow. wow. We are welcoming a fantastic guest we're very excited to have here, Deborah Jane Seltzer from Roadside Architecture. And oh, wow, we have spent <laughs> some time <laughs> looking yeah. at your sites. Deborah's there with uh-huh. her dog, so we'd like to welcome you all. <laughs> yeah, they're introducing themselves as well. You may hear some barking in the background, even <laughs> though they were just at the beach for two hours. It doesn't even matter. Uh, well, they liked it so much they want to go back. Yeah. Deborah has done an incredible thing. She has built this website called Roadside Architecture. And get this, the website contains over 2,500 pages with over 60,000 photos where you'll find buildings, signs, statues from all over the country, vintage Americana, tiki. It's incredible. When did you start this? More than 20 years ago. Wow. That was when websites were in their infancy, okay? I can't think of many websites that are that old. Right. No. Wikipedia, you know, whatever. But in terms of this subject matter, most people move on to other things, lose interest and I'm kind of into it. But the whole thing started almost by accident because so as you can see, this is my crazy one. So about 20 years ago, at that point, I was still doing agility with my dogs, which is obstacle courses. You run alongside and direct them over yeah. A-frames and tunnels and jumps and all that. And I had a dog who was very good at it. And so we used to do a lot of national competitions. So I started leaving like maybe two days Allowing two extra days before and after, you know, like if I was driving at that point, I was living in New York. So if I was going to like Arizona or something, I would allow a couple extra days just so that I could see stuff because I was kind of interested in buildings and statues and things like that. Signs came later. But I mean, ever since I could drive, ever since I was a teenager, I was interested in buildings. So anyway, I started taking pictures and I thought, why don't I just start a little online thing? This was only for myself, right? (laughs) Just so that I could organize. At that point, I was shooting like gas stations and Art Deco, Streamline Modern buildings. I've always loved Streamline Modern buildings. Oh, yes. And, you know, things like that. So I was just going to, you know, put them online with as much history as I could find out about them and organize them. So I didn't have to, like, keep notes or anything like that. I could just have my notes be right there with my pictures. And as I shot more gas stations, organize them, whatever. And so it was just kind of like that. I don't know what I had, maybe a dozen pages or something, you know, just of my stuff from those a couple of initial years. This would have been around 2000. And then one day I got an email 
from someone who said, hey, I really like your website. I like your, and I'm like, huh, what? <laughs> I had no idea. I don't even think Google existed at that time, but there was some kind of search engine. So they had found my website and I was sort of, who knew? I mean, I didn't know people could see any of this. I didn't know about key terms, search words, whatever, <laughs> search boxes. I don't think they even had search boxes. So I thought, oh, I got to clean up my act. And so in the process of kind of making it, you know, a little more organized and whatever, then people started coming. And it was not really anything that I deliberately did. So over the years, as it grew exponentially, at that point, I had a job where I could take two five-week trips a year. And I had started doing more roadside stuff and less agility. So I was doing a lot more traveling and just shooting stuff and kind of putting things at my website. And these were still the early days of the internet and websites. You know, I built it for myself with HTML, which I still use. I don't even have style sheets or any of this. <laughs> wow. Because I started with HTML. And once you get past a certain point, if you want to pay a web designer, like I checked it out maybe 10 years ago and said, what would it cost to transfer? At that point, my website was, I don't know, a few hundred pages. And it was like six grand oh, yeah. to transfer wow. it. Yeah. Easy. And that was just for like 20 pages of it. And I was like, no, thanks. So that's why my website still has kind of a old school look to it, because I never changed it since the early days, really. One of the things I appreciate is that the pictures you can still see in good quality. You know, some of the older sites, yeah. we used to be so limited in bandwidth that the pictures were thumbnails and not true of yeah. your website. The pictures are beautiful. Well, that's why I use the thumbnails for every picture so that you can get a big you know, a big image. I sort of got my arm twisted a couple of years ago to produce a book about signs. Yeah. I never wanted to make books, you know, so. <laughs> Vintage Signs of America. Everybody was like, when are you going to write a book? And I'm like, why would I want to write a book? So the advantages are that you can constantly update as you get more information or, you know, they paint it blue and now you want to show what it looks like blue yeah. or they demolish something, they remove a sign. You can't update anymore. You meet somebody who finally has the real lowdown and everybody had it all wrong. You want to correct the information. Books are dead the second that the information hits the page. That's one of the really neat perspectives on your website. You've been doing this long enough that there are some pictures from, I'm going to assume, the early years when you started this. Yeah. And then subsequent pictures, more recent. And yeah. sometimes you see, oh, good, they're starting to restore this. Or other times it's like, uh-oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I really enjoy that. I mean, I, when I started this, like I said, it was accidental, really. But as I've been doing it, I'm really glad that I've stuck it out. And I mean, I really enjoy it. Other than my dogs, I mean, I have an unrelated full-time job, <laughs> which I'm happy to have in times of COVID. Yes. And I can work from home, so it's great. I, yeah, no, I really enjoy that, being able to sh say, okay, 2001, 2007, 2020. So right. that you can have different images from the different uh, when things have changed. Yeah. And also the maps. Like right now I'm doing my gruesome winter project, which is checking every single, every single thing has a map, right? Google Maps. And so once a year I go through and I comb any dead links, like somebody might have left Flickr and that picture doesn't work anymore. A website died. So I get rid of the dead external links to other websites. 
And I also check the maps for the most recent view to see what happened. Like right now I'm working on a post. The Utz girl sign is gone in Philadelphia. It was originally a couple of Sputniks. So I think I had one blog post about a week ago because I've started this process. So I kind of put the news, uh, good news, bad news, although it ends up being mostly bad news, as you know, when things have gone away from the maps and update the description at my website. So it's kind of a way for people to know what's changed that they might have missed. Things that For example, if you have a favorite style of architecture, you've probably got a section for it. I love your tiki section, and I I love that whole tiki trend. Yeah, I've always been more into exteriors than interiors, but, you know, I threw a few interiors in there. So some of the incredible, you know, like Shelter Island buildings down near San Diego, some of those buildings are just incredible. But I also like the little funky ones, too. <laughs> I've always liked small buildings better than big buildings. Yeah. I call them huggable because <laughs> oh. they're much more human scale than a big, massive skyscraper. A little one-story, 20-foot-wide deco building with a few details, I'm much more impressed and in love with than some 40-story, you know, Empire State Building, Niagara Mohawk Building, you know, that's covered with detail. It's the small buildings that really, yeah. you know, it's like small gas stations. Anything small and commercial, I'm a total sucker. What really floats my boat is stuff that's shaped like other stuff. For example, the teapot oh, in West yeah. Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, I have here this poster that I have had for well, let's see. When was it printed? 1988. It's programmatic buildings. How cool. Wow. I've had this thing forever and it has followed me with me from every apartment I've had when I lived. I lived in Venice, too. And then I lived in New York for 30 something years. And I had I don't know how many apartments in New York. And now I'm back in California after 30 something years in New York. You know, I think I've been into those buildings since at least the 70s. So yeah, building shaped like things, mimetic or programmatic buildings. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a total sucker for those. Always have been. One of my favorites was always there in the Peterson Museum, which is an automotive museum that has since been really kind of blandified. Right. (laughs) But they had the... Right, so the bulldog. Yeah, Yeah. the bulldog. And it still exists. There's a bar in Toluca Lake that bought it. and La Cana in North Hollywood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. They restored it. It looks really nice. Yeah. Yeah, which is super cool. It's a recreation. It's a, you know... Yeah, it's it's fiberglass. just sort of, yeah, but I'm glad it got a home. I don't know what happened. They used to have a Pep Boy statue there, too, and I've never been able to track down what they did with it. It's it was, interesting. It was one of the really old ones. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of how they did that, but that's yeah, another story for another day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you still get to travel around. Even now, I see you just went to Oklahoma and brought back a bunch of great photos from that Yeah, trip. I was. Normally, I take off the month of June. Luckily, at this job, I worked my way up to a month off a year. It turns out to be five weeks. I sort of stretch it to five weeks. So I do get one five-week trip a year. And I went for five weeks to Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma. Well, you know, Texas on the way. I always 
you know, I go everywhere in my van. I never, ever fly. So I'll never make it to Hawaii because I wouldn't quarantine my dogs. Huh. They love traveling too, of course. Yeah. So I hit a lot of rain because August is pretty damn rainy. So I'm going back this June to finish up because I only got about half of Florida done. That was uh, all planned out. And Florida is a wacky architecture and art deco mecca, depending on where you go. Well, Miami Beach, of course, is incredible for Art Deco and mid-century modern, which is probably I've got more mid-century modern buildings at my website than anything. I'm obsessed with, you know, 50s through 70s. So there's a lot of that, not nearly as much as there used to be. I mean, people that grew up in Florida are shocked by how it's been transformed by, you know, box stores and fast food joints and all that. There used to be the Space Coast, which used to have incredible, you know, space age motels and signs and all that. And that's basically all gone. Titusville and all that stuff on the sort of northeast coast of Florida is very different than it was 20 years ago even. Yeah, people love to tear down all the cool old stuff and replace it with bland modern stuff. (laughs) Yeah, outside and in. That's such a trend now to... Paint it white. Take out all the walls and paint it white. (laughs) You know, as I've been combing these maps, I'm seeing a lot of dark gray. Dark gray. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a trend for painting buildings in the last year or two. Have you been to the Neon Museum in Las Vegas? Yeah, a few times. I was there before it was a museum when it was just stuff stashed on the ground. And now it sort of is like that. It's a little more, they have more restored signs than that. But yeah, I remember it when it was truly the boneyard is what they called it. Yeah. Yeah. When it was just signs storage and they didn't have anything restored. And they didn't have the La Concha entrance and the whole thing. They've really fancied it up. Well, they've also been doing a lot of Tremendous stuff with the displaying signs around town. They have a very small budget, so they can't save everything. But if they can get the business owner to help remove stuff. There's also what? There's that other guy on East Fremont who's been restoring all those signs there too, right? It's kind of his development and all that. So that's another good thing that's happening with a lot of vintage signs are now being restored. So Vegas has got it going on. I think that there is, just like with the uh, American Giants, as it were, there is some efforts being made to take our past and kind of celebrate it and restore some of it by some people. Are you seeing some of that? Yeah. It only takes a few really passionate people and they can really make an impact with things like Joel with the fiberglass statues. And then signs are somewhat more transportable. You know, it's not like a building where you have to like rehab (laughs) it in some way. Signs can be moved depending on how giant they are. But there's that. If somebody can stash it somewhere and maybe we'll see it again one day. I mean, even these collectors, preservationists are not happy that when signs disappear to somebody's private collection. But at some point, a lot of these sign collectors are getting up there in years. And when they pass away with their incredible, like, they have thousands of signs, these guys. And it seems to always be guys. I don't know why. Women, <laughs> Women might be smarter or have more common sense than to have a yard full of signage. It's a guy thing, I guess. So when they pass away, what will the family do with all that stuff? Will they try to sell it off? Will they be more thorough about it and try to find out like, okay, well, this sign came from Oklahoma. Maybe there's a museum in Oklahoma that would like it. Right. Something's going to happen with all. I mean, right now, at least they're, they're 
they're safe. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So we'll see what happens in the next 20 years with all these signed collections. Maybe some of them will find their ways to museums. And you're a traveler also in your van. You travel with your van. Yes, yes. Uh, my 500,000-mile wow. Astro van died in Florida. Okay. Uh, I mean, I kind of knew it was eventually going to happen. I thought maybe I wouldn't have it happen on that trip, but of course, it was like two weeks in or maybe not even. So what was I going to do? Sit around? I was It needed a new motor, so I wasn't going to do that for five grand and sitting on my butt for a week or getting a rental car with four dogs. No. So I had to take the plunge that same day, and I got a express van, which is like one of those church vans. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty big. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. really nice. So it's only a year old. It'll probably get me get me to my grave, probably. I'll probably have this thing. <laughs> they last forever. Do you camp in it or just travel? I do. I call it urban camping. I thought you would like that. That's what I call it. Oh, yeah. we absolutely do. You know, the, the habit started because, well, in my youth, when I was 30 years old and all that, and I would be doing all those two, five-week trips, you know, I'm just seriously obsessed. So I... um used to every night post to my blog. Okay, so imagine you're shooting from sunup to sundown. Occasionally, you're shooting a little bit of neon at night. And then I would go write my blog post for that day. So it was like nearly live, right? I mean, it was only 12 hours later. So I would do a little blog post with maybe a dozen pictures. That's how the blog kind of started because I wanted something that would kind of document the trips a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. So then I would be like working on the blog and then it would be like, two o'clock in the morning and I'd be like, well, I ain't looking for no motel now and I'm getting up in four hours. <laughs> so it didn't make sense to go drop $60, $70 on a motel. But luckily I'm small. I'm only five foot tall and my dogs are all small. They're all under 20 pounds. So space was tight. It's a lot more spacious in the new van. I got in that habit of, of just like finding a place to park that I knew, you know, Walmarts are great for that and just crashing for a few hours and starting it all over the next day. So you were way ahead of what's trendy now. Now that's super trendy, yeah. but you were doing it years ago. Yeah, because I mean, it, depending on, of course, how hot it is, you know, if it's 80 degrees at night, no, we're doing Motel 6. Now, <laughs> Motel 6, just so your travelers know, Motel 6 and Red Roof Inn don't charge for dogs. Ah. So those are my two chains of choice. So if it's too hot or I really need a shower bad and you know maybe once a week i'll splurge and go to a motel and then the rest of the time i'll just try to tough it out in the van i'm pretty beat because i shoot i mean i shoot like a maniac my trips are totally planned out there's no random here it's all a list and a google map my map that's how i travel i plot everything for every state or some, some of them are plotted by city. So before I go, it's all laid out, and I then plot the route and organize my physical printed list of stops based on the most efficient path between all those little pinpoints at my maps. So that's how I do it. I think my blog has a thing about how I travel, something like oh, that. Okay. Yeah, because it sounds like you have this passion for the unique architecture and signage and all of that. You find it and then plot your travels around that. Yeah, well, I keep a database for every state. So, and I mean, some of them have hundreds of pages of stuff. And so when it's time to 
like after this coming trip next year, I'll be doing uh, Wyoming, Montana, South Dakota, that sort of area. And so I just pull those states and start plotting the maps and then I'll put together the list. So that's just, you know, you can't think when you're exhausted. You just want you know, to be able to follow the dots and be done with it. <laughs> that's the way I can get the most stops per day in. It's right. totally, totally planned out. So that's how I travel. So I can just be delirious. <laughs> and all I have to do is drive between points, you know, I eat behind the wheel, nuts and fruit, baby. That's, that's my thing. I don't do, oh, you must go to a lot of restaurants when you're, it's like, nope, <laughs> it's all about getting the pictures. It's all about getting the pictures. So other than letting the dogs out to pee and that I'm point to point to point wow. so that I can come home with. I mean, I came home with like three or 4,000 pictures from the Florida trip. And when I take a picture, like I take a picture of a sign, I pull right. I don't even turn the engine up. Okay. I just I pull up right next to it, take the picture and go. I mean, it's all of like 30 seconds. Yeah. I take <laughs> one picture, auto settings on the camera and I'm done. Buildings. If it's a big building, I might take three or four pictures, frontal, side, detail, one or two if it's got a lot of detail, and we're done. If it's a small building, frontal, you know, the quarter angle, right? And that's it. Two pictures. Two pictures of most buildings, and huh. we're done. One picture of a sign, and we're done. So when I come home with 3,000, 4,000 pictures from five weeks they're all getting used. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's hundreds of different stops. I mean, many yes. hundreds. Yeah. Thousands. Seriously, wow. thousands. We're talking about at least 100 stops a day on average. Wow. I know. That's insane. <laughs> and it's just become more manic as I start. It didn't used to be that way. Like, I look back <laughs> at some old on my photo drives. You know, I keep. And here's another tip. Always keep two because you never know when one's going to go bad. Yeah. Keep all of your pictures on two external hard drives. Yeah. Two copies. In fact, I recommend having something in the cloud too because we have a friend who had some really important work on external hard drives Mm -hmm. and the fire came and now it's just gone. Oh, I keep one in the van and one in my apartment. Uh Uh-huh. There you go. That way, if the car blows up, I still have the ones in my apartment. <laughs> apartment burn. You know, I'm in California. We got those forest fires. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to think that way. Two in two different spots or keep one at a friend's house or, you know. Yeah. Uh, but don't get lazy. Always oh, when you come home, that's the first thing you do is copy all those pictures onto both drives. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. So I was looking at some old digging up some old pictures for something. Somebody needed some pictures and I didn't start out shooting like a hundred and something stops a day. It just built up over time. It just became like, how much can I accomplish in one day? You know, when you know you only have five weeks and you want to cover six states, you got to have a plan. I guess so. I I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's intense. And that's why I could probably never travel with anyone else other than my dogs. Yeah, between the body odor and the manicness, uh, you know, it's serious. Oh, man. Well, Deborah, we really appreciate your taking some time to talk with us about your awesome website. Yes, for sure. Sure. It's a real pleasure to meet you. And thank you again for your time. I really Anytime. appreciated talking to you. Yeah. We should definitely keep in touch. And, uh, and of course, I'll keep looking at your website. Thank you so much, Deborah. Sure. Have a good night. You, you too. as well. Thanks for your time. 
Remember that time we followed our GPS and ended up at the top of a cliff overlooking the campground? (laughs) Yeah, I had to back the trailer down a mountain road. Remember the time we went on that twisty, windy road and hit our awning on a tree? Yeah, I do. But now those kinds of things aren't going to happen anymore thanks to RV Trip Wizard. Right. RV Trip Wizard lets you plan your journeys before you go and then use their app on your phone or tablet to safely navigate that journey. You can set parameters such as how far you want to travel in a day, how many miles you can go between fuel stops, and even read reviews of the campgrounds and places you want to go to. It all takes into account the size of your RV and more. Then you can rest assured that your phone isn't going to lead you into trouble. If you have an RV, you need RV Trip Wizard. Check it out on your discounts and deals page on StresslessCamping.com, where you can also listen to our interview with RV Trip Wizard and learn about the whole RV life suite. Now Now that's that's Stressless Camping. We'd like to welcome Chad Ireland. Chad invented the campfire canopy, and we are very pleased to have you join us today, Chad. Thank you. And we want to first by saying thank you for your service in the Navy for four or five years, and we appreciate that. And now you're an aircraft mechanic, and by being a mechanic, you understand the engineering and how to build things and how to make things last. So tell us what you invented. That's why I created the campfire canopy. So everybody goes out camping, they create their reservations six to eight months in advance, and then you're committed to that weekend. So you go to that weekend and it rains all weekend. Well, we have the product that it's going to save the weekend. The family and wife and kids aren't going to have to go into town and spend all your money. You're going to be able to sit around the campfire and still roast your s'mores and hang out with everybody. So the campfire canopy does exactly that. It protects you from the rain and inclement weather all while you enjoy that campfire. When we were camping for Christmas, we were all sitting around the campfire and it started to rain. And there is a lot of Native American tribes that inhabited where we live. And I thought, gosh, you know, in the past, they had it figured out. A teepee had a hole in the roof and they had a fire inside and they probably didn't have teepees, but in my mind they did. <laughs> and in some ways, it's kind of what you've invented here. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of an iteration of the teepee, but uh, a little more camper friendly. And a lot of people can get underneath it and move about in and out and still enjoy the fire. So what Chad has invented, the campfire canopy, think of like an easy up, for lack of a better description. Right. But with a big hole in the roof in the middle where smoke and fumes could go out with the canopy made of material that's not going to light on fire because that (laughs) would kind of be a, a bummer. How did you come up with this and tell us how is it fireproof and how big is the campfire canopy? The top is made of an eight ounce polyester material. So it's actually heavier weight than a typical easy up. As you said, it's a fire retardant polyester. So it won't catch on fire. The size is 14 and a half foot square. So it's uh, significantly bigger than a typical portable canopy. Yeah. The poles are all one inch anodized aluminum. So it's made to last commercial grade product. So you take care of it and uh, make sure it's clean and 
you don't abuse it, it's going to last a lifetime. So it's a nice product. Yeah, it's not a cheaply made. I mean, we've all been to the big box store and gotten the $99 canopy that lasted one camping trip. This is a whole lot (laughs) different than that. Certainly. We have industrial grade materials and it's waterproof, obviously. And you also can pack it up into a couple small bags that'll store easy in your camper. They actually fit in the trunk of an Impala. So just to give you an idea (laughs) of how small it goes. And then to give you an idea of how big it actually is. So a typical mid-sized car is about 14 and a half foot long. So if you kind of put those in a square of four, that's about how big the canopy is. So there's plenty of room underneath there. If you start getting too much smaller than that, everybody's starting to get crowded around the fire and then we get too close. And then if you just happen to get some of that firewood that's real poppy, then people <laughs> yeah. start getting sparks on their laps. So right. we took that into consideration too. Yeah. So you've really thought this through and I've seen some pictures on your website, which of course we'll share with our audience. You have you with one heck of a smoker under the canopy too so it's not <laughs> not just for campfires but that's right we got the smoker from the neighbor <laughs> that was part of the marketing idea was it could be versatile product right you can take it to uh if you have an outdoor wedding you're gonna have a tent there and if the guests want to get out from underneath the tent maybe you go enjoy a fire or i don't know open houses for graduating seniors it, it's a really a, a versatile product you can definitely get underneath it and enjoy it. this is so well made i could see like if you have a food booth that you take to fairs or that kind of thing, you could have the cooking right in the middle and then you've got this nice 14 foot wide canopy so you could set up your whole food booth underneath and the customers can come and see you cooking and you could have it that way too. Right. Yeah, certainly. We have friends who have a food booth and that's what (laughs) What makes me think of that? And I showed it to them and they're like, ooh, that's really cool. So we actually have friends who have put their easy up over their fire. But we also have friends who build a fire that there's no way I would try to put anything over. I'm not even sure I'd put a campfire canopy over some fires I've seen. (laughs) No, I think those are fires that Manya builds. The Mars rover right now could look down on Earth and go, oh, that's a big fire down there. Definitely have to be a little sensible about uh, how big you're going to make the fire. We're not going to be able to stack six foot of pallets up and uh, right. light them up. <laughs> We're not going to Burning Man here. Right. <laughs> so you haven't manufactured anything in your past or have you? I have not. Nope. I have never manufactured anything like this. So this is a startup company for sure. First business that I've ever started. It's a learning process. I do have an MBA, so that kind of helps out a little bit. But as far as like real world experience, I haven't ever done anything like that. So Well, it's a good thing to start with. It's a great product. Yeah, it's a neat product for sure. I mean, I can see a lot of different people really being very interested in this. I mean, obviously RVers and campers, but like I said, businesses or places, you know, you could have this outside your business at a restaurant or, I mean, it, it's a great idea. So we keep referring to Easy Up because that's what everybody knows. And I know that this is not exactly an Easy Up. And so the legs and everything are not all put together, right? It's not just sliding it open. It's actually actually kind of an assembly project. Yeah, it's like a traditional whole tent that you would get at a a wedding or something like that. So if you have a big tent at a wedding, 
they have to slip the poles together and then put the top on it. It's certainly easier than that, but it does have some assembly required. It takes about 20 to 30 minutes for a couple of people to put it up. We're actually working on right now, creating a video, an instructional video on how to put it up. Great. Just to help out, you know, people like to get on YouTube and whatnot, then they can watch it firsthand. So it's certainly not something that you're just going to pull out of a bag and pull a string like it's some kind of tent that you just let go and it, boom, it's up. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things though, the way you've engineered it, the canopy has straps that lock the whole thing together. So it's not going to blow away. Yeah. So none of the poles have any of the traditional snap or pins that you push on and you have to get it into the hole and line them up or anything. It all just slips together. And then when the top goes on, then the top actually holds the frame together. Then the corners go down over the horizontal members on the legs and then you tighten those up. And then once you stake the stakes into the ground onto the pads of the uh, the legs, then everything's held together. If it gets too windy, you're going to have to put some side straps on it. But typically a normal wind, uh, you know, 10 mile an hour or so, it, it won't go anywhere with just the uh, stakes in the ground. So you don't have to worry about anybody tripping or anything like that. It's a neat design. And here's something that we've done with canopies and such. We bring lag bolts. They're really easy to get into the ground, but even easier to get out with a <laughs> drill that we bring. And man, they hold. <laughs> yeah. And they're cheap. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's a lot easier than using tent stakes. Yeah. Yeah, you can go yeah. to the hardware store and buy them for like 50 cents a piece for the good size ones. And man, those things will hold a tent in a pretty good win. <laughs> good idea. Thank you. <laughs> well, if you want to know the laziest way to do anything, I'm your man. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to take you up on that. <laughs> this wow. really sounds like a great product. And like as Tony said, we'll put your website in our show notes so that people can check it out. Yeah. And they buy it direct at campfirecanopy.com. Yep. Campfirecanopy.com. There's a PayPal link on there. So you can do all your stuff through uh, the secure link on PayPal. I also have a Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, and a LinkedIn page. So, Are you sure you haven't done this before? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as active on the Twitter and Instagram page as I am on the uh, Facebook and LinkedIn. So, I can understand that. <laughs> Chad, we sure appreciate you spending some time with us and letting us know about this. And we hope that everyone gets out there and has some great and don't so don't let the rain stop you get out there and have your campfire and have your campfire canopy. And you won't have to worry about getting wet while you're getting warm. That's it. All right. Chad Ireland from Campfire Canopy is coming to us from Michigan. So we thought, oh, man, there's some great places to visit there. That's right. So, Chad, any favorite places that our audience have to know about? There's a, so many places in Michigan that you can visit. Silver Lake Sand Dunes on the west side of Michigan. is, I believe it's the only place east of the Mississippi that you can drive ORVs in the sand dunes. Mm. So it's right on Lake Michigan and uh, Silver Lake. So that's a great destination. That's in the lower peninsula. And then you get up to Higgins Lake and Houghton Lake. Uh, those are great lakes in the, the lower peninsula, northern part of Michigan. And then once you get into the upper peninsula, you have to go to Pitchford Rocks. Pitchford Rocks National Lakeshore is just absolutely beautiful. Definitely a destination to go to. And, and we actually went up that way this winter to check it out. Some ice caves up there. Huh. So it, it's not just a, a summer destination. And what kind of camping is there? So along the lakeshore, you can uh, do the remote camping, hike in with tents. And then they also have a traditional campground and stuff there too. So you can do any kind of camping up there. 
Oh, that's, that's cool. awesome. Very cool. Yeah, it's a great place and it's beautiful and there's tons of waterfalls that you can hike to and it's definitely recommended. Oh, that's, that sounds good. Let's go. Yeah. Well, we are actually <laughs> planning a trip out that direction yeah, we, later we this are. year. Every time I talk to someone like east of the Mississippi, I'm like, oh, there's another day. There's another day or two we need to add to our trip. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever get home. That's okay. I don't mind. Oh, yeah. I don't mind just traveling around seeing cool stuff. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, if you guys make it this way, you know, give me a call and give you some recommendations. And if you got time, we'll meet up. That would be yeah, fun. That'd be great. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if yeah. you like beer, but I'm always willing to buy. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want to go up north into Michigan, have you ever heard of Hocking Hill? No. Huh? Ohio. So Hocking Hill, Ohio is, is pretty darn cool. And it's like the southern part of Ohio. So you don't have to make that, you know, northern trip. And start heading north. Once you get into Michigan, you know, there's only one way out. <laughs> well, two ways you go up. But, there's no but Hocking Hill. Hocking Hill is beautiful. They have like these big caves and overhangs and uh, all sorts of stuff. So, and it's a state park and you can walk down to all the stuff below it and whatnot. So it's cool. Huh. Excellent. I had never heard of that, but I'll have to look that up. You think Ohio, man, eh, not going to be anything there. Nothing but <laughs> the turnpike. <laughs> well, there's Cleveland and there's a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I've been there. <laughs> I don't know if you're into airplanes or not, but the Air Force Museum there is pretty awesome in Dayton. Huh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, anything that burns fuel, I'm interested in. <laughs> Cars, oh, yeah. trucks, planes, boats. If it burns fuel, I'm interested. All right, Chad. Well, thanks for the great tip. We will tell people about Campfire Canopy and, and wish you a tremendous amount of success with that. Yes. Thanks again. Thank Absolutely. You. Thank you for your time and yep. your service. Last week, we asked you if you were into slides. Slide, slide, slippity slide. <laughs> and of course, we mean slide out rooms and sections on the travel trailers. Well, and, and RVs wheels. in general. Not, you know, like at the park <laughs> i do like slip and slides water slides yeah i like slides the electric just fine. slide the cha-cha slide except that time that my aunt kathy convinced me to go down standing up and i broke my toe oh geez yeah <laughs> well anyway <laughs> we asked about slides and we got a good number of answers and a little more people said they want slides than the number of people that said they don't. A few people said they didn't really care. They just wanted, you know, the right color or the right yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> a few more people said they wanted slides. We particularly aren't that interested in slides. I've seen a lot of slide rooms do a lot of damage and then break when they're stuck out. And then you have to wonder, well, how am I going to get them in? I understand and I respect the people who realize, yeah, that adds a lot of space to the inside of an RV. It's just simpler is better. Yeah. And for me, it's not even so much worrying about things going wrong because we've learned to deal with things going wrong. <laughs> yeah, we do RV. But for me, it's because you know, sometimes we spend time in a relative's driveway or the side of the road. And if a closed slide doesn't allow access to all the things we need when we stop on the side of the road, whether it be for a quick potty break or a lunch or whether we're finding a parking lot somewhere to sleep in because we can't drive anymore. I don't want to have to fight that slide to get into the bathroom, get to the refrigerator, yep. maybe crawl into bed for a little while. And so if I do ever look at floor plans of trailers that have slides, those three things have to have access or else it's not on my radar at all. Yeah, that's our preference. There's no wrong way to go camping Correct. except sit at home and not do it. But <laughs> 
Everybody has to kind of evaluate what is your style? How do you like to camp? One of the things we do is if we have a longer road trip, we will find spots to overnight. And sometimes those are parking lots or places where we're permitted to just sort of crash. And so we like the fact that we can semi-stealth. I mean, it's a pickup tow and a travel trailer. So how stealthy can you be? (laughs) But it's more stealthy if we're not having to put out slides and lower our stabilizers and all of that stuff. And again, as Peggy said, we will often stop for lunch or potty break or ran out of beer. No, I'm just kidding. I am totally kidding. Not while driving. And we really don't want to have to deal with slides when we're just doing a quick stop like that. So anyway, the results of last week's survey, and you can always find these surveys on the Stressless Camping Podcast Facebook group. That's right. 23 people said, yeah, we love slides. We want them so bad. 18 people said, uh, uh, uh. And eight people said, whatever. Whatever. Dude. Who cares? So that's, you're always welcome to come in and and weigh in and join us on our Stressless Camping Podcast Facebook group. And we really do moderate the comments so that it's polite. There's no dumb questions where people will provide snarky responses, things like that. We really do want people to have a safe place to come and talk. And for that reason, we moderate all the people who come in and we keep it relatively small. That's right. So this week's question that we have for you is, have you had trouble making reservations? Have you already started planning 2021 trips? And have you started making reservations? Have you struggled? Have you had to rearrange your schedules at all? That's what we want to know. How are reservations going for you? Or even making reservations for 2022 trips. I mean, (laughs) we know some people who are doing that. And while you're answering, I want you to know that we're working on a podcast for next week that might offer a little bit of a solution for you. Yeah, we've got some great guests coming up. Well including hopefully you enjoyed today's guests. Well, for sure. Did you know we do a once a week newsletter and it's free? It's free. It's not just a collection of the things that we've done. I try to provide links to other stuff around the internet that would be of interest to RVers. I mean, other people are doing some great jobs too with content or articles, things like that. And so we add those. So it's kind of a one-stop shop that comes to your inbox once a week. Check it out. Sign up for our newsletter. You can do that on our website at www stresslesscamping.com and from that website you can also jump off to all our social places like Facebook and Instagram and of course we never share your information if you were gracious enough to share it with us it's it's just for that one purpose and that's it and the other thing you can do at www.stresslesscamping.com is checking out our discounts and deals page you can get the best deals on the things you'll need on your stressless camping adventure and if you've got a great deal our audience would enjoy hit us up. We'd love to share it with them. Of course, if you don't want to miss a future episode of the Stressless Camping Podcast, it's free! Free to subscribe on any podcast app. We're saving you a seat around our virtual campfire. And if you wouldn't mind taking a moment and writing a review for us, that really is helpful to us. It helps other people find our podcast and that means more listeners and that means even more terrific and wonderful guests. I want to thank especially Tragically Hip for your review this week. Yes, thank you. Thank Thank you you, so much. Thank you very much. (laughs) It has been a pleasure to be here with you again this week. We hope you join us again next week. And until then, happy happy camping. camping!
We hope you learned a lot, had some fun, and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping!